Well, good morning again, and welcome. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, would love to do that. My name is Pastor Bill. Welcome to WordServe Family. We're not just a church. We're a family. That's the way we roll. We're doing a, a gratitude challenge series, and we're in the second week of that. So the gratitude challenge basically looks like this. We talked last week about practicing gratitude. If you didn't have a chance to see that, recognize that we have it on YouTube, we have it on Facebook, we have it on our website at wordserve.org sermon. So you can always go back and catch whatever we've talked about. That's not an excuse to skip out. I'm just saying, <laughs> if you missed it. So we talked about practicing last week. We're going to talk about enduring gratitude because here's the thing. If you are persistent, you will get something. If you're persistent, you will finally figure out how to practice gratitude. But if you're consistent, you will keep it. So this is enduring gratitude today. It's not just that we get it once and it worked once and that's it. That's the magic pill we took and we're always happy. It doesn't work that way. I don't know if you live in the same world I do. So we need to figure out how to have enduring gratitude, not just how to practice it. And then finally, every once in a while we lose gratitude. And we need to figure out how to return to gratitude. So that's where we're headed in this whole series. So today we're talking about enduring gratitude, that gratitude that never lets go. That's the case where you can always say you're thankful for something. Do you know anybody like that who's always thankful for something? Let's be honest. Isn't that annoying? I mean, you know, really? Like, uh, seriously, you're always grateful. It just it gets under your skin sometimes. But it depends on how you do it. So not only are we going to talk about how to have enduring gratitude, but how to express that enduring gratitude in ways that are winsome, that people are going to want to know what it is that you have and how did you get that. So that's where we start today, enduring gratitude. Now, I would say that uh, many of us are probably more grateful in favorable circumstances than unfavorable circumstances. That's just human nature. But what if there was a way we could develop a gratitude that doesn't depend on circumstances? What if we're the ones who determine that we're going to be grateful no matter what, in good or bad? We've got some great examples. I'm going to start with one here. I don't know if anybody knows who this is. Anybody know who this is? Anybody in America's Got Talent fan? Okay, this is Nightbird. Now, Nightbird was a contestant in 2021. She uh, has a background where she grew up in a family. She loves God. She has done some Christian music. She wrote. She appeared on America's Got Talent in 2021. She sang an original song, and the song was titled, It's Okay. And as the judges are interviewing her, they're asking her questions. You know, what do you do for a living? Well, I haven't worked in a year because I've been dealing with cancer. Oh, well, are you okay now? Well, I just found out that I've got cancer that has metastasized into my liver and to my spine. So you're not okay. I said, well, I'm not okay, but it's okay. You see where she's going with this? This is a person who's dealing with the very deepest stuff of life. And she has written a song that she's going to sing called, It's Okay. She sings a song. And by the way, spoiler alert, if you're going to go look at this clip, I'm just going to spoil it for you right now. So just do this, la, 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 if you don't want to know. But let me tell you how it goes. She sings a song, It's Okay. The house is like floored. Like she stops singing, and there's this awkward pause where everybody's like, whoa. And then, boom, everybody erupts in, in a standing ovation. It's everything that she probably could have dreamed of. And then Simon, you know Simon the judge, the grumpy one? Yeah, everybody knows Simon. <laughs> Simon says, you know, we've had a lot of singers, and they've done a lot of amazing things. We've had a lot of original songs. Thank you for coming today, but I'm not going to give you a yes. And, and that's what, the, what I heard. It's like dead silence, and, uh, and all the judges were like, you're a jerk. I knew you were a jerk, but now I know you're a jerk, right? 
He goes, I'm not going to give you a yes. I'm going to give you something else instead. You know what that is? That's the golden buzzer in America's Got Talent. She got the golden buzzer. And that means you go right to the semifinals in the competition. So she didn't have to go through all the other phases. And th this, you can see the little golden tickets showering down on her in, in the background there. So this person who came and just expressed this it's okay sentiment in, the, in spite of the darkest, deepest times got the golden buzzer. Isn't that awesome? And what's even more awesome is she had a platform. I don't know how many people were in that crowd. There's probably several hundred. But I do know that it's watched all over. So this message of the, and here's the way that they, they described it, of the human triumph of spirit. You know, how the human spirit can triumph over hard times. But that's not what she says. She says, it's not the human spirit. It's God's spirit that lets me say, it's okay. That's enduring gratitude. Now, you might be asking, how does one come by that? Well, you're in a good spot. We're going to talk about that today. But let me just quickly say, we do have a choice in this. We can choose to be grateful or we can choose to be ungrateful. But let me just give you the, the quick cut to the chase method of what it looks like to be ungrateful. This is what ungrateful people get. They suffer the poverty of endless discontentment. How many people want to sign up for that program? Yeah, sign me up for that endless discontentment. That sounds awesome. Right? But that's what ingratitude does. There is a direct tie between our gratefulness and how contented we can be in this world. So that's what we're going to experience today. Our choice is grateful or ungrateful. Now, to get to the bottom of this, we're going to go to the source of the guy who was eternally grateful and possibly insane. I don't know if you know about this guy, Paul. Paul writes a lot of his letters from prison. And one of the ones that we're going to read today, I didn't put the whole scripture up there because it's a long one. I just want to read it to you. I want you to just relax and hear this. But as I read this, I want you to understand two things. The letter that he is writing to the church in Philippia is a letter of encouragement and thanks. He's saying, thank you because I know you're supporting me. Thank you. You've sent me stuff while I've been in prison. Thank you for the work that you're doing in your community to garner faith and to build and encourage one another. I want to encourage you in that faith. And he's writing from prison. He does know he's in prison, right? I don't know. You be the judge. But as I read this, I want you just to focus on a couple of things. How much of it does he say about me? How much of it is he talking about me, 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 the first person? But more importantly, listen to the absolutes in Paul's language. This is, by the way, a theme of Paul. You never hear maybe, sometimes. You hear all the time. You hear 100% every time, all the time. Listen for the absolutes in this language as he's writing a letter of encouragement. Did I mention he was in prison? I did. Here's what he says. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. 
These are the words of God for the people of God, and for these words we are grateful. Did you hear the absolutes in his language? Just listen to a couple of them. I thank my God every time I, I remember you. Do you know anybody that you thank God every time you remember them? I don't always thank God when I remember people. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> I bet you don't either. Sometimes people get under your skin. You're like, oh, oh, but man, he says every time I think of you, I thank God. Is Paul insane? Maybe, but he goes on. In all my prayers, I always pray. There is no like 90% with Paul. He's not, he's not the guy that says, you know what? 90% is still an A, so I'm just going to pray sometimes. No, he's all in. And he's all in all the time. There are no shortcuts in Paul's faith life. Now, you may be thinking, well, yeah, but he's Paul. He, he could do that. I can't do that. Well, let me encourage you to add one word to your vocabulary if that's you this morning. I want you to add this word to your vocabulary, yet. I can't do that yet because there is hope, and we're going to talk about how we get there. He will carry on a good work to completion. Right? Not like just get you to be a little bit better version of you. Like, man, if I could just get to version 2.0, that would be way better than 1.0. It's like, no, 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 we're going to 10.0. We're going to, actually, that would be 7.0 in biblical speak, perfection, right? We're going to be in perfection. That's the, that's the goal that we shoot for. Now, the fact that we're not there should not be depressing. He's a, he, we are works in progress, right? So don't get discouraged if you're not there yet. But don't give up on getting there either. You see the, the balance, the tension that we have to hold in all of this. His prayer is amazing because basically he's praying that they would have knowledge and insight so that they would be able to discern what is pure and blameless and so that they would produce the fruit of righteousness. So that's Bible speak. That's, what does that mean, Bill? Well, so that you know the right and the wrong. So that you not only know what's right, but do what's right. And that you not only do what's right, but you want to do what's right. That's the heart change that goes with the head change. Is anybody there? I know if you are, congratulations. I'm, I still struggle sometimes. But I don't give up on the goal of getting there to that heart change, to the head change, so that I can experience the fruit. Now, what's the fruit? Anybody familiar with the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians 5, 23. So when you have that Spirit alive in you, when you allow that spirit to work through you, you experience things like peace and love and joy, and gentleness, self-control, all of these things. That all comes from that spirit, and it is all possible. And here's why. It doesn't depend on my ability. It doesn't depend on my holiness, because my holiness is terrible, but his is great. It doesn't depend on my wisdom or my spirit. It depends on his spirit and his wisdom, and his is awesome. It's not about what I do. It's about what I let through, in other words. That's why this is possible. That's why I don't want you to give up on this idea. It's very possible through him. With God, all things are possible. You know this up here. Do you know it here? That's the question of the day. So that fruit of the Spirit is what we're talking about, that ability to live in a constant state of joy, peace, gentleness, self-control, kindness, patience, all of those things that the world needs so desperately. And let's face it, if you're a parent, you need that too, right? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. All right, so that's, that's where that goes. Now, 
there's uh, another piece of this. There's the dark side if we don't do this. And I want to see, um, oh, sorry, before we get there, one other thing. Paul also says this later in the same letter where he's talking about this. He's basically saying, hey, I know you all are having hard times. I know you're being possibly persecuted for your faith. I know there are people who are falling away. I know there's family who doesn't agree with what you're doing. I know that maybe you used to be this and now you're that, and there's people that are upset that you've changed. But here's all you have to do. Don't be anxious about anything. Check. Got that. Anybody not anxious about anything? Of course not. We're always anxious. But again, listen to Paul's absolute language. Do not be anxious about anything. That is possible. It's, it's not easy, but it is possible, right? Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, absolute language, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. If you do that, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, here's what I find interesting about this. I get that he doesn't want us to be anxious. I get that we go to God in petition in prayer. And I get that if God answers that prayer in the way that God will, that I will experience a peace that passes understanding, and it will guard my, high, my mind in Christ Jesus. But what's with the thanksgiving thing? Doesn't that seem like an odd insert? Shouldn't your prayer just be, hey, ask God for what you want. He loves you. He'll give it to you with thanksgiving. Why is that? Does that strike anybody else as odd? Uh, obviously, I circled it in red. It must strike me as odd. So here's something that, uh, that I learned that uh, absolutely fascinates me, and we're going to use the idea of surface tension to illustrate this point. I was going to do this with actual water, but you know, you, you notice how surface tension works. You've got to get right to the tippy top and I was going to make a mess on the stage. And I could just see everything electrical shorting out and Jimmy going, why, God, why? Right? So, so we're going with pictures today. <laughs> and there was much rejoicing. All right, so surface tension, basically, the way it works, so you can see on the, the top of this glass, it is filled absolutely to the brim with water. And when it does that, the molecules of the water are just strong enough that it creates this surface tension. If you've ever seen little bugs that scoot across the top of the water, that's what they're relying on is that surface tension. In fact, it's strong enough to hold a paperclip. Now, if you took a pencil or anything and poked right by that, that paperclip would sink because you have broken the surface tension. But in essence, that is the barrier that is protecting the glass. It's even holding up that, that uh, paperclip there. So why do, why do I mention this? Well, here's the good news in this. Uh, this is science. Science backs the Bible. You may be saying, Bill, why are you bringing science into this? Well, here's the cool thing about science. It's not either or. Uh, you can have uh, a Bible-believing Jesus follower and science coincide. And I love the way that science says this. Oh, look what we discovered. Yes, that's true. You discovered that, but who made it? That's the key point. This surface tension has been around forever. This idea of a barrier has been around forever. You're just now discovering it, but who made it? Oh, God made it. So when God made the hypothalamus in the brain... That's the section of your brain. This is scientifically researched in the journal of something. I'll, I'll put it in the notes. <laughs> I'm not making this up, in other words, right? This same piece of the brain handles two things. It handles gratitude, and it handles stress and anxiety. So now, let me ask you. It, one way to get rid of anxiety is just think, I am not going to be anxious. I am not going to be anxious. I am not going to be anxious. How many people are anxious right now? <laughs> I am, and I'm saying it, right? Or I could say, I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to be grateful. 
I'm going to be grateful. Not only that, I'm going to be grateful for this. And look at what this is. Look at all these things I have to be grateful for. Now, how many people are experts at multitasking? Okay, that aren't women. <laughs> right? The scientific research will also show you that multitasking decreases your ability to do anything. But if you single task, if you single focus, it's an amazing concentration. It's amazing what can happen. So what I'm telling you is if we can focus on gratitude 100%, the hypothalamus has no more room to stress or to worry or to think about anxiety. This is science. This isn't the Bible. Oh, but wait, it is the Bible. Because what Paul is saying, present your petitions with thanksgiving. Maybe Paul knows something about the hypothalamus. I don't know. But if with, with thanksgiving, we're occupying that space of our brain that's, that's not going to focus on stress and anxiety. Do not be anxious about anything, but with thanksgiving, activate that part of your brain. And if we'll do that, it creates that barrier. See, if something is so full that nothing else can get in, then there's a shield there. Is there not? Nothing else can penetrate because I am so full of gratitude. There's no more room for stress and anxiety. Is this a perfect uh, uh, hypothetical thing? Yeah, it is, but there's a little bit of reality behind it. I wish I could tell you I live in this constant state where I just have the peace that passes understanding all the time. Nothing rattles me. Nothing gets under my skin. But I'm human, and, and it does. But again, don't give up on the goal. Don't, don't just abandon the idea that we can't ever get back to that, that we can't experience this time of peace that passes understanding, because we can't, because it's not up to us. It's up through us. That's the difference. So this barrier that guards your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus is formed when we focus on gratitude. Now, why the hearts and the minds? Why didn't he guard uh, you know, my limbs? Why doesn't he guard my hands, my feet? Because there's a very good principle that happens in most sports. The body will follow the head. Ask any diver. Ask any wrestler. Ask any jiu-jitsu guy. Slap bump out there to all of you, right? The, the body will follow wherever the head goes. If something gets in your mind, which is the easiest place to get in, your body is going to follow. And that includes stress and anxiety. Stress and anxiety rarely starts in the body. It exhibits itself in the body, but it doesn't start there. It starts somewhere else. Spiritually, your mind will lead your heart astray. That's the, the other corollary here. So something gets in my mind, and pretty soon my heart is turned. My heart is darkened. My heart is not focusing on the things that will give me gratitude. That's a great strategy. If I can distract you even a little bit, even with just one little pencil poke, then I can get through that barrier and I can start putting other things in there. And I can separate your barrier and start filling it with all kinds of other things. That's what happens when we lose the ability to have the gratitude. The peace that passes understanding just becomes the peace that passes. We don't have it anymore. And that's why. That's not the only reason why, but that's one of the main reasons why. So does Paul back science? Does science back Paul? Yes. But who made it that way? See, I think there's a lot of truth in Scripture that we sometimes forget. Now, here's, here's what that darkness can look like. Again, going to the Bible, because Bible backs science, science backs the Bible. Here's the bad part. Paul is writing this to the Romans. He's talking about those people who have turned away from God or refused to follow God or just aren't interested, period. And here's what he says in Romans 12. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks 
to him. We'll come back to that. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. That's in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Or, uh, yeah, 21 and 22. Yeah, that wasn't right. So there's that thanks thing. Again, this, this idea of gratitude keeps popping up in scriptures. It, almost like there's a theme here. So notice what it says. They neither glorified God nor gave thanks to them. So what's the result of not giving thanks to God and not putting God as first in our lives? Well, it's right there. Thinking becomes futile. Notice what happens first. Thinking becomes futile. Hearts become darkened. Where the head goes, the body will follow. Where the mind goes, the heart will follow. This is not, I'm not making this up. It's right there. So they become fools. They, become in, uh, they have an inability to even see God at work anymore. My, my plea is that let's not be those people. There's hope that we can always come back if you find yourself in that futility of thinking. There's, that we can come back, and that's next week. Come back next week. <laughs> we'll figure it out. So I want to review with you a couple things. So we've got to practice gratitude, but we've got to get to enduring gratitude. I just want to do a quick check-in. How many people have done box breathing in the last week? Awesome. This is awesome. Great, great. So uh, if you've missed that, go back and check practicing gratitude. It's a physical practice that will reduce your stress and anxiety. Awesome. How many people have done breath prayers in the last week? Nice. Okay. So here's another opportunity to practice. Now, just a quick review because, you, you, again, you can go back and watch the whole thing. But these are the criteria we're looking at. Breath prayer is something I can say within the space of a breath. I partly inhale and I say part of what I want to say, and when I exhale, I say the other part. And I just repeat that process. And if you do it with box breathing, you get a twofer. You get a mind and, and heart massage, and you get a body massage all at the same time. Heck of a deal. So this is what we're doing, rooting it in Scripture, um, connecting and breaking it into the ins and outs. So let me offer taking that into gratitude. These are just a few that I have uh, developed for the specific practice of gratitude. You can develop your own. If you have a scripture that is particularly meaningful to you, I would encourage you to use that because it already means something to you. It's already connected to your heart. So these are a few examples right out of the Bible. Psalm 28, 7. In, in the inhale breath is the Lord is my strength and shield. Exhale, I trust and give thanks. Just keep doing that over and over. Breathe it in. Breathe it out. Another one, Psalm 34, 1 through 8. I sought you and you delivered me. The Lord is good. Thank you. And how about one more? We've got Psalm 100, 1 through 5. His love endures forever. Enter his courts with praise. Just keep doing that in and out. And if you don't begin to feel some gratitude, I'll give you your money back. I promise you this works. If you will practice this, if we practice this together, if we hold each other lovingly accountable, then we will get consistent. And if we get consistent, we can keep this no matter what's going on around us. Our gratitude, our well-being, our mental well-being, our spiritual well-being do not depend on what's happening around us if we do this. But if we don't do this, then we're victim to anything that comes along. Anything to get, get through the barrier that is no longer guarding our heart and mind in Christ Jesus. It's not Jesus that's laying down in the job, if that's the case. It's us. So we have to be realistic about what we're talking about. So maybe you take some scripture that has something to do with gratitude. 
or thanks in the, in, the, in the message. The Psalms are a great place because that's what Psalms do. They're praising. Uh, Proverbs might be a good place to look. There might be a piece of scripture that Jesus says something that's particularly meaningful for you. Use that into a breath prayer. Uh, don't try to do all of them. Pick one and do that. If you'll do it uh, every time you eat, three times a day, and see if it doesn't make a difference. Speaking of which, if, uh, see if it makes a difference. Uh, how many people have journaled? All right, good. I started journaling again. Um, I wrote about seven words. But anyway, I started. <laughs> That's the point, right? We're working on it. It's a work in progress, right? But if you will write these things down, it's amazing how you can go back later and with a little bit of clarity and a little bit of distance from the terrible situation that you were in, you can see how God was at work, which is yet another cause for gratitude. When you're in the thick of it, when it's really bad and it's stressful and there's a lot of anxiety, it's hard to see where God's at work. And it's hard to be grateful in those circumstances. But write that down. Write it down real. Don't write it down like, oh, it's got to be flowery language, like, oh, God, mayest thou grant me peace. No, don't do that. Write down your raw, emotional, pure feelings and give it to God, as Paul would say, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Did we mention that part? With thanksgiving. As you go back later, as that situation either resolves or maybe gets just to a manageable level, you can maybe look back with a little objectivity. Or maybe it's your, your spouse or somebody that's close to you. Maybe it's your community group. Somebody else that can help you have some insight to see where God was at work. And you can take a terrible situation and turn it to gratitude. It's a beautiful thing. If you live in this world, there'll be plenty of opportunities for this. And then I want to encourage you, on the very first day, we, did, we wrote down two numbers on a scale from 1 to 10. The first one was, what's your level of gratitude? 1 means I have no gratitude. 10 means I'm very grateful. Write that down. Monitor it throughout each of these weeks as you practice gratitude. The other one is your anxiety level from 1 to 10. Uh, 1, I have... Uh, what would that be? I have uh, extreme anxiety, 10, I have no anxiety, right? And watch if there's an inverse proportion in between these two. The more gratitude I have, the less anxiety I have. If that's true, let me know. Let me know your success stories. Let me know your failure stories too. Because maybe there's something to this process that we can tweak together and benefit from that. So write those numbers down. Let me know how it goes. The biggest question, though, I think we have to answer, or we'll never do this, is why. Why should I practice gratitude? I don't want to practice gratitude. I don't feel grateful. This world is unfair. I am not grateful, and I'm not going to be. Okay, but you saw the earlier one. If you want that eternal discontentment, you know, sign yourself up. That personally doesn't sound like heaven to me. But if that's what you're after, okay. But when you ask yourself why, you have to think uh, of a couple of people. Let's think, uh, oh, let's go with Jesus. That's always a good one. He sits down at the last table. We do this at every communion Sunday. You hear the liturgy all the time. He knows exactly what's about to happen. Jesus does. The disciples are clueless. But Jesus knows exactly what's about to happen. He's about to go from Last Supper to the cross. And everything that happens in between, painful death that he doesn't deserve by a kangaroo court that proved him guilty when he was the only one that was innocent. That's what's about to happen. And in that context, knowing that's about to happen, what does he do? He takes the bread and he breaks it. And he says, 
this is my body broken for you. And the liturgy and the, the Bible says, and he gave thanks. And what's he do right after that? He takes this cup. This is, this is representing his body that is broken. Then he takes the cup, which represents his blood, and he says, take and drink. And he gave thanks to God. This is my blood poured out for the transgression of many sins. Take and drink. And as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And as he's doing this, he's thanking God. There's always gratitude. Look at Paul. Paul is writing from prison. Letters of joy. He's saying rejoice, even though I'm in chains. Rejoice. Why? Why does Paul have this connection? Well, Paul recognizes that whether he's in prison or whether he's out, whether he's able to preach or defend the gospel or whether he's not, the mission continues. The mission to spread the good news. In fact, one of the things that he says later in Philippians, he goes, man, I'm so glad that I'm in prison because these prison guards would never have heard the gospel any other way. I have an opportunity to give the gospel to these prison guards. Isn't that awesome? I think, Paul, you're a little weird, but whatever. You know, he's all about the mission. And if you think about it, think about this for just a second. Who were the guards? They were Romans. Where were the Romans from? Uh, all over. I was in the military. I know how this works. You have, I would love to go here. This would be my dream assignment. Great, you're going here. Right? And then when you like that place, we're going to move you here and here and here and here and here. You're all over the place. So what better way to spread the gospel than these people who are nomads by trade? They're going everywhere in the known world. And they're carrying the, the word with them because of Paul's imprisonment. That's why he says, this is awesome. And I still think he's not quite right in the head. But anyway, what we're focusing on here is, is something that I think is important for us to remember in this. We need to focus on what God is doing through us, not to us. Let me say that again. We need to focus what God is doing through us, not to us. So whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, if we have this is God doing this to, to me, we have a victim mentality. But if we say, how could God use this to work through me? Then we become more than conquerors. That's the deal. So both Jesus and Paul were not focusing on what was happening to them. They were focusing on what was happening through them. Makes a huge difference. Now, back to Jane Nightbird. I'll tell you the rest of the story. Again, spoiler alert, sorry, but here's the rest of the story. She got the golden buzzer. She gets the ticket to go direct to the semifinals. She auditioned in June of 2021. In August of 20, uh, 2021, she wrote to America's Got Talent, and she said, I, I'm sorry, my health has taken a turn for the worse, and I won't be able to continue in the semifinals. I'm so sorry, but thank you. Do you hear the language? Thank you for the opportunity. They interviewed her on the screen as they began to play the, the, towards the, the quarterfinals, and they aired this. You can check it out on YouTube. And here's what she said. She said, I'm so grateful for the opportunity. It's the most beautiful thing that has happened to me, to be able to share my story. Do you know that after that process, after that story got out, Anybody care to guess how many times her audition video has been watched? 45 million times. Would that have ever been possible if she just told her story? Yeah, she would have affected a small circle. But because of the way it went down and because of the way she responded to that, 45 million people have this message of hope attached to God 
This isn't triumph of the human spirit. This is triumph of God's spirit. Simon Cal, you know Simon, the grumpy one. He said, we completely understand. And even though you won't be participating in the finals, know this, you've already won. Simon listed her as his number one favorite golden buzzer of all time. Spoiler alert, she passed away in February of the next year. But even in her final video, she gives credit to God. And she says, I don't know who needs to hear this, but someone needs to hear this. God is good. It's amazing. She had enduring gratitude. It didn't depend on what was happening to her. It depended on what happened through her. And why do I tell you this story? Why do we go over this word serve? Here's why. If we can figure out how to practice enduring gratitude, we can build that barrier that guards our hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. We can experience the peace that passes understanding, and we can pass that peace to other people. This is all possible with gratitude. And here's the thing. We may or may not win the show. We may or may not be in the finals. Uh, but in Christ, we've already won. For that, we can be grateful. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for the many reasons that you give us to be grateful. Just to see simply what your son did for us on the cross is probably enough. But in the times when we doubt, in the times that the other things enter into our minds that might cause us to be ungrateful, first we ask for your forgiveness. It's not something that we intentionally do, perhaps. God, pull us back by the power of your spirit. Remind us of what's been done for us already. Remind us of what awaits for us. And help us to so fill our minds with you that there's no room for anything else. Help us to be so filled with gratitude that we see the goodness, the beauty. Help us to experience your son anew. Help us to live by the power of the Holy Spirit that guides us, that forms us, that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And God, as we experience that, help us to share that with everyone we meet. Not of our own power, not to say that we're all that, but to say simply, we know a guy. And he is all that. We pray this in Jesus' name.